0: Go with me to Acts chapter 27, and we are talking today about uh, storm-proofing our lives. How many of you know storms happen? Amen? Storms happen, and you don't have to have done anything wrong for a storm to come into your life. Amen? Storms happen, they are part of life. And today I want to talk to us about storm proofing our lives. How to guard your life when storms come. And it's, it's, uh, it's fitting that we talk about storms, considering I just spent the last couple days with a five-year-old by myself. How many of y'all are single parents in this house? Here, don't clap. I'm clapping for you, all right? This is my standing ovation for you, single parents, because because I I thought I had it when she said she had to leave town. I was like, I I got this thing. I don't got this thing. And uh, yeah, I don't got this thing. And I didn't know you couldn't sleep when you have children that young in the house. I mean, like, you can go to sleep, but you don't really sleep, you know, because if sleep, you know, is at a level 10, you're only gonna get to about a three because you gotta hear every cough and every sneeze. And yeah, 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 you know, and then, then when you think you got a break because uh, uh, Puppy Pals is like, oh God, thank Jesus for Puppy Pals, right? I'm trying to tell you, Puppy Pals is from the Holy Ghost. It, so I was like, okay, I'm going to get to watch some of the game because Puppy Pals is on. And, and you know, and, and now Puppy Pals, you see, mommy's smart enough to have taped Puppy Pals. So there's a whole DVR worth of Puppy Pals. I'm just going to push play and I'm good. And then it's too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> You all right upstairs? Yes, sir. What happened? I'm just playing balance beam on the couch. Why would you play balance beam on the couch? I the couch is to be sat on, Precious. You know, can't you just like sit on the couch and watch the news or something and do like with normal people. You got some free time. Take a nap, you know? <laughs> <That's why. laughs> I say Lord, I'm preaching about storms tomorrow. <laughs> I go upstairs, it's like play it's like the play-doh box exploded. There's <laughs> play-doh everywhere. I'm like, how did this happen? Oh gosh, oh gosh. And in the middle of laughing and crying, <laughs> we had to get in the car. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not. No, I'm gonna have to figure out a way. Perhaps, perhaps there is like an Uber shop, you know, like a Uber something that can bring stuff. So I don't have to put this torrential terrorist in my car. (laughs) All out assault on cleanliness and neatness. I have to put her in the back of my car, you know? And I don't know, man. Y'all dads are going to have to help me out. I don't know how you say no, because I struggle with no. At McDonald's? Okay. All right. That means we got to get in the car. (laughs) So thank the Lord for grandparents. I am being delivered and relieved right this moment. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way, I tell you that much. But we are going to talk about storms today. And it's not because of her, I promise you. lay laid on my heart weeks before now. <clears throat> um, I want to talk to you about a storm that the Apostle Paul went through. And a conversation that Apostle Paul had with other members that were on the boat with him while he was going through the storm. Now, let me tell you what is about to happen. Because some of the wording is a little... Skewed when you read from a New King James Bible, because I'm going to read from the Scripture today. What is happening now is that Paul is <clears throat> a prisoner, and they need to take Paul to uh, Rome to get him in front of uh, in front of all of the, the judges, et cetera, et cetera, there. And Paul, being spoken to by the Spirit of the Lord, Paul tells them, "Hey, look, a storm is coming, and we should not leave." Crete right now we shouldn't leave right now and instead because his captors were on an agenda <clears throat> a, a timetable they had to they had to leave so they were like we, we're going to leave anyway plus they didn't believe Paul they didn't believe in Paul and the message that he was doing Paul was their prisoner and who is a prisoner to tell his captor what he's going to do and what he's not so they jumped on the boat and they get on the boat and as they start to go the storm comes and the storm is so heavy that the wind has taken control of the boat to the degree that they stop trying to steer the boat. You're going to see this in a second, but they just let them steer the boat, let the wind steer the boat. They stop while they're trying to steer the boat. And they hit a skiff. They try to guide their way into a skiff. They hit a skiff, and then the wind blows them back out. And a skiff is just a piece of land that's in the middle of the water that... You know, the sea might go like this, and sometimes the boat is in deep enough water, and then other times it'll hit. the land. And they tried to settle in one of those places, and instead the wind moved them back out into the storm because you'll never get out of a storm God is behind, no matter how spiritual you are in, until all your lessons are taught. You know, so they thought they were out the storm, and the wind just blew them and moved them back into the storm because God wasn't done dealing with them and the wind blew so much that it started to break the boat apart and paul stands up and tells them listen we're not going to all die now we're not going to all we're not going to get there in this boat but we're not going to all die we're going to all make it but we should have listened to what the voice of the lord said. all right so i hope you see this in this text and then we're going to we're going to dive into the word of god y'all ready for the word All right, if you can stand, please stand for the reading of the Word of God. Verse 14 says this, But not long after the tempestuous headwind arose, called Euroclidon, so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. In other words, we just let the wind take over. And running under the shelter of an island called Clada, we secured the skiff with difficulty. We tried to make that skiff work for us. And when we had taken it on aboard, they used cables to try to undergird it. We're going to lock onto this skiff. And fearing lest they should run aground on the uh, uh, srightous sands, they struck sail and were driven. In other words, the wind took back over again. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. They started throwing stuff unnecessary stuff overboard and on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no tempest beat on us all hope that we would be saved was finally given up but after long abstinence from food then Paul stood in the midst of them and said men you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss." Now, I urge you to take heart that there will be no loss of life among you. Somebody shout, I'm not going to die. He says, but only this ship. Somebody say, but you might have to lose the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God whom I belong and whom I serve. And the word of the Lord is blessed. I want you to find three people and tell them, stormproof your life. Stormproof your life. Stormproof your life. Storm-proof your life. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I do bless you and I thank you and I give you the praise, God. And I ask that you would send an anointing that makes teaching the gospel simple and preaching the gospel easier. Father, I pray for clarity of the word of God. I pray, God, that you would do what you do in the midst of these, your people. Let your grace fall on us now. Get the praise through this preach and taught word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated in God's presence. Smile at somebody. Tell them it's just church. Tell them it's okay. It's just church. Smile at them. Tell them it's true. I want to talk about three principles that's going to help you you weather the storms of your life. Life is in many ways very predictable. And one of the things that we can predict about life is that in life you will have storms. That is... From the greatest to the least of us, from the front to the back, from the top to the bottom, everyone's life will encounter storms. You are not immune from storms. You are not so born again and so close to God that you won't go through storms. Storms are a fact of life. Not only are storms a fact of life, they are indiscriminate. They're indiscriminate among people, people groups, gender it's indiscriminate amongst relationship with God or no relationship with God. It is indiscriminate amongst the behavior patterns of your life. It is critical that we understand that what I am saying is that you don't have to have done anything wrong for you to experience a storm in your life. You don't have to have been in sin. You don't have to be in sin. You don't have to be disobedient. You don't have to have been disobedient. You don't have to. Sometimes you can be doing everything right and everything wrong comes your direction. You know what that's called in the spirit? That's called life. Was that deep enough for you? That's called life. In this life, you will have many troubles. That is a part of the scripture teaching of our journey. And your life has to be anchored in something deeper than the vicissitudes in life because life will bring storms. It is not indicative of your character. It is not indicative of your behavior pattern. It is not indicative of you serving the right or not serving the wrong God. It is not indicative of you serving it properly or, or improperly. None of these things are indicative of your journey with God. It just simply means that God has at his disposal Everything that has been created, if he is going to be made known in your life, God wants to be made known and God will use everything at his disposal and pain and storms are at the disposal of God. When he's ready to get a message into your life, he'll use them. Don't he'll use them. God will bless you, but he will also use pain because storms. Me, God is doing many things in storms. When, God is, when, you are, when you find yourself in storms, rather, this is one of the ways that God shapes our lives is through the storms of our life. Yes, he uses good things, and yes, he uses good times, and yes, he uses blessings, but he also uses these types of storms to help shape our lives. The scripture teaches that you are a house being built with spiritual stones. Meaning that God is trying to build something with you. And whenever a builder is building, he has to be able to exercise power over the stones to make them fit the dimensions of the house he's trying to build. So God uses pain. Somebody shout pain. God uses storms. Shout storms. He uses pain and he uses storms to, sharp, to smooth the edges of our lives so that we can fit the dimension of the house he's trying to build. There are some advantages in, in, in our storms. When God takes us through tough times, he oftentimes takes us through tough times to sharpen our prayer life and to draw us closer to him. Most of us in this room have figured out our best prayers in times of storm. You didn't even know you was that deep till you start going through some of the stuff you're going through. And, and pain has a way and storms have a way of pulling you deep into the spirit. So much to the degree that if you have your eyes wide open, you'll start to see things in the spirit at the depth of pain that you could not see at the shallowness of comfortability. You can go into seasons of pain and come out realizing that, wow, the prophetic is true. You can go into depths of the spirit and realize that in, in pain, through pain and because of pain, and realize that, hey, man, there's got to be a deeper prayer language than the one I'm saying in my, la- my native tongue. Because my pain, and there's a language that can match my pain. I just won't understand it when I say it. That's what pain will do to you. That's what storms will do. God will pull you into a storm that will, that will scratch and erase everything you ever thought about God. Because these are one of the ways that he uses storms to sharpen our lives. He uses, he uses it to test us. Yes, God tests your life. I know Satan tries to test you to get you to fail, but God tests you so that you can see where you are and you can see where you're not. Paul said that I buffeted my body lest I not be disqualified after I have preached to others, lest I not be disqualified. In other words, he said I buffeted my body so that I can pass the test so that I don't fail the test that I've been preaching to everybody about and missed the prize which means that it is possible for God to test us and for us to miss the mark on some of the tests that we go through. Storms come through to test us. Somebody shall test us. Storms come in our lives to give us a sense of humility. You, you thought you were something until. You was feeling pretty good. You was telling everybody else how to, until. And, and there some, there's a humility in the storms that come into your life. God brings storms to remind you that you are not the progenerator of all that's good in your life. He is the progenerator of all that's good. So every now and then he'll pull what is good and let you taste the bad so you'll know that he is the good God behind all that's good. Have you ever been humbled before? You ever been humbled before? There is something about... pain that will humble you and watch this there are things that I used to preach in my 20s that I don't even preach anymore in my 40s because when I because I realized that I was preaching from a vantage point that had not been through enough pain there there were things yeah and and now I realized that maybe I was a little judgmental on that Now I realize that maybe I wasn't really understanding the dynamic of those things. And you've got to be careful in your immaturity preaching like you've done it because God has a storm. Y'all are not talking back to me in here. You got, there's a storm. There's a storm. So you better be careful, everybody you send in the hell. You better be careful everybody that's wrong because they divorced. You better be careful to everybody that's struggling in, their, in, in things that you have deemed as being ungodly. You better be careful passing your judgment on them because there is a storm. Yeah. God, there is a storm. This is why the Bible says, humble yourself under the hand of the almighty God. And in due time, he said, then I'll exalt you, is that there will be humility before there is is exaltation. God, help me in this place. And can I say something about humility real quick? Humility doesn't mean to be humbled doesn't mean that you're not humble. To be humble just means that God has another level of surrender he has to get out of you for where he's taking you to. You're not being humbled for where you are. You're being humbled for where you're going. Is there anybody going anywhere in this house? So God will take you through a storm to try to humble you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the storm is what is going to prepare you for where you're getting ready to go. You know what else God uses storms for? When God is ready to clean stuff out of your life, he'll send a storm. I'm from the Midwest, and in the Midwest, it really rains. I know y'all like, well, what was that this morning? That, that ain't rain. That's not really rain. In the Midwest where I grew up, I don't even know if, it, where I grew up, what happened this morning, I'm not even sure that the weatherman would have mentioned it. Like back where I grew up, he'd be like, hey, it's going to be bright and sunny today after about, about 11 o'clock. And we don't even worry about that kind of stuff that happens in the morning. I'm talking about real rain. In, in, in Missouri, where I'm from, in the Midwest, it rains so hard that it stings when it hits you. It'll hit your windshield, and you'll be like, boy, I hope it don't crack my windshield. Uh, Y'all ever been in rain like that? Just pop, 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 pop. It, 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 It feels so bad you can literally have people three, four feet in front of you, and you cannot see them. This is the way it rains in the Midwest, and I want you to understand that sometimes you have big storms like that. You have storms that just keep popping you and hitting you, and they sting, and they hurt. And just when you think you can see your way out, you can't see anything further than the beginning of the next month. You ever been in that kind of storm that all I'm trying to do is get to this second paycheck and hope that there are no bills come between this paycheck and the beginning of the month. I know I'm talking to somebody in here. Dream, dream about what? I can't see further than my problem. I can't see further than my situation because I'm in the middle of a storm. Has anybody been in that kind of storm before? I, I'm starting to feel my health, so y'all hang with me for a second. It's, these are the things. But let me tell you something about those storms. Here's the interesting thing about a storm in the Midwest. You can always tell a storm. You can see clouds 20 miles away because it's much flatter in the Midwest than it is here in California. There's a lot of mountains. Everything gets in the way. So in order for you to really see a horizon in, on the West Coast, you got to look toward the ocean. You know, but in the Midwest, you, it, everything is flat. So we don't have as many ups and downs. And you can see a storm coming that's not going to get to you for 45 minutes or an hour. You can see it in the clouds. You see the dark, thick clouds starting to, to wail up. And you might even hear the sirens from other cities for potential tornadoes. And if there's a siren coming from the which I just lost everybody in the California Y'all like torn what, a tornado? I see them on TV, you know? <laughs> no, those are real things. When the air pressure from the ground and the air pressure from the sky come together, they create this turbulence, and this thing can move up to hundreds and hundreds of miles an hour, and you see it from afar off. Have you ever seen clouds that just lit up because the lightning inside of them made them orange? Yeah, uh-huh, I'm trying to do, God is a wonder. Y'all, all y'all looking at me like, what? God is the wonder, the cloud. See, that's what, y'all, see, understand that this is what Moses saw when he was at the top of the mountain and God spoke to him through the lightning and the cloud. All he saw was just the orange, the orange. The orange. We would have lightning that you could see the cloud turn. I know I'm taking y'all back to my hometown. We could see the cloud turn orange and because it takes sound a while to travel, you won't hear the boom for about a second and a half after you see the, it'll be like, yeah, you know y'all know what I'm talking about and you be like that, that and this is the way and, but, but nature somebody shout nature when that starts to happen we're not going to get the rain for another 30 minutes but you know what starts to happen is that the squirrels start to run up into their trees and the rabbits start to go back into their hole. The dog is in the backyard trying to get in the doghouse that he ain't been wanting to be in all summertime long. If you're at Walmart, you trying to get to the line so you can get home before this kind of rain. Because if it start coming down, you can't drive because you can't see out in front of yourself. And you'll be stuck at Walmart. Y'all ever been stuck at Walmart? Let me tell you what happens when you're stuck at Walmart in the middle of a storm. Everybody goes to the TV section to watch TV. That's what everybody's doing at Walmart when they're just waiting a storm out. But I want you to understand what happens. When the storm comes, When after a storm, it's not just wet ground. It's tree limbs everywhere. Potholes are in the street. Do you know what a pothole just happened? Let me tell you what the rain has done. What the rain has done when it blows and it knocks the leaves down, it doesn't knock every branch down. It knocks every weak branch down. God I'm I'm trying to help y'all here it knocks every weak branch down every branch where there's supposed to be something else growing out of that space but it's taking up the space the storm is brought to knock the weakness off of the tree so that strong things can grow from it again it exposes the cracks in the ground what you thought oh this road is safe when that rain hits it and it caves itself in and you realize I've been driving on a road that at any moment in time could have been the destruction of my journey and of my life when storms come storms come to expose what needs to be taken off of your tree and what's not strong enough to handle you as you travel through this journey is there anybody that understands there is purpose in your storm somebody shout there's a purpose in my storm I said shout it there's a purpose in my storm There's a purpose in your storm. So we can't begrudge storms when they come. We can't be angry at God that I'm in another storm. But we do have to open up our spiritual eye and see what God perhaps is doing when we come into storms in our lives. Because as my name is Terrell, and as you take the next breath of your lungs, you will have a storm in your life. Principle number one for dealing with storms. Is the principle of climate. If you are writing down, I want you to write down that word, principle of climate. The principle of climate is this. Let me tell you what a climate is. A climate is a regu- is is climate rather, is regulated by complex interactions among particular systems. Somebody shout, complex interactions. That is critical that you understand. For there to be a climate, It has to be an interaction of complex things that are interacting in a complex way to produce life, to produce an atmosphere for life. That is what climate is. So in our earthly space, what climate is, is determined by our sun, by our ocean or water system, by the atmosphere above us, by the clouds and ice, by land and by living things. If you remove any one of those unique systems that live together, the water has a system. Every H2O is dropped out of a cloud then condensed out into the the atmosphere. It is held together by what we call clouds. It is some kind of way cleansed from the cloud and then released back into the earth and we find drinking water and water to, to keep our animals alive and fish and every living thing that will be under the water is a part of that system. Your plants are always gleaning for the moisture that is in the air so that it can stay surviving and green. Have you noticed that you don't have to go outside and water your trees? Because they take moisture out of the air that is placed there because of their water systems and the rains that fall. And, the, and, and these plants, Planetary systems have a way of being able to meet and measure it out for themselves when they take it in and they know that we might not get water again for the next three months in California. It knows how to use what it pulled out and take its time until the next. So if it's got to be brown for a season, it'll be brown, but it'll stay alive. God, I just preached That's preaching to somebody right there. Uh, sometimes, sometimes you can't use everything that comes into your life. Every now and then, you've got you've to know how to manage what God brings into your life. That's why I say in our deal that you have more than enough. Well, people are like, no, I don't have more than enough. Well, if you managed it according to the word of God, you'd have more than enough, which means that there might be some seasons you're going to go brown, but you're not going to. Okay. All right. Am not preaching to anybody? Anybody in here had to go brown for a season? I'm not going to be able to wear the latest shoes and the nicest clothes. I'm not going to be able to get the five bedroom. I'm going to have to come on down to the two bedroom, but I'm, you know, I'm going brown, but I'm going to be alive. Am I? Amen. See, this is what climate is about. The climate is about all of these intricate systems that come together to create an atmosphere for life to lead. And this is what you have to understand about yourself before you go through a storm. You are a system. You are a system. And you have a bunch of complex things that are going on in your life that make your life a livable situation. Some of the systems that you've got to deal with day to day, here's four of them. You've got to deal with all of your physiological needs. You're just the basic air and water and shelter. You wake up every day. When people come to this altar, they come to this altar primarily for two reasons, relational issues or financial issues. At a distant third has to do with health issues. But most of them are relational or they are financial. The basic, I need a place to stay. I need to be able to eat every every time I want to eat. And I don't have enough resources around my life. That's an entire physiological system that is operating in your world that takes up brain space that takes up worry space it agitates your heart when you don't have enough it frustrates your sleep when, you die, when, you, when you're wondering am I going to sleep in the car tonight or am I going to have to give me a hotel room for tonight? and can I get $20 to get into a hotel room that, that I can sleep at night because I don't want to tell anybody because I don't want to live in their back room and people know that I'm not able to afford the lifestyle that I'm driving That, that's that's one level of systems that are operating in your life that is very complex there's a relational system that we all need relationships I know that we get to the place in our life where we all have said I don't need nobody you ever said that before I don't need nobody I take care of myself I don't need nobody that is a lie from the devil that puts in your head God made you relational we have been created to be relational and because you don't know how to manage relationships don't mean you shouldn't be without them. I am preaching better than y'all saying amen. Relationships. We have been called into intimacy. We have been created for interconnecting and for, one, uh, for, for, uh, for being for one another. This is the way God called us. This is why he doesn't speak about you. He always says, let us exalt his name together because we are better than me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Us is better than you. And that's why God tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes that two is better than one because if one would fall, he'd have a friend to help him get back up again. So God is not okay with singleness and soloness and being by yourselfness. Now, single, I don't mean not being married. I'm talking about just doing life like you don't need nobody. You need people. And you know what? Your next blessing is going to come from God through a person. So you better be careful being mad at the instrument that God is going to bless you through. Relational, that's a part of your system. You need relationships. And when relationships go awry, our lives sometimes go awry. When we have beef all the time or trauma all the time or if marriage is not good or if children are not good, when we have these kinds of issues in our lives, we oftentimes find ourselves in a space where, the, where we're in the middle of a storm. I'm in the, I got plenty of money, but I don't have no friends. I've got plenty of resources, but I have no one to share them with. Or I've got plenty of people to share them with. I just don't connect with any of the people that I'm giving my best to. Relational. Somebody shout relational. It's a system in your life. Security is a system in your life. Each one of us want to feel secure. Each one of us want to feel secure. And this is a space where a lot of men don't like to talk about. But insecurity is a real issue. Insecurity makes us go silent. When we're insecure, we stop asking because perhaps I'm not worth a million dollar loan. When we're insecure, we stop asking because perhaps I'm not woman enough for him to want to be with me. When we're insecure, we stop. But security is an important aspect of life. And by security, I mean emotional security, financial security, as well as physical security. And if that list goes on, physical security is at the bottom of the list of security. Unfortunately, what happens with men is that when we don't don't know how or when we're inept with meeting emotional needs or economic needs in our household, what we try to do is we try to, uh, you know, bolster up and meet the physical need you know we try to bolster up and I wish somebody would look at my wife like that and I wish somebody would disrespect my wife I'll show up there and ba 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 ba. when in reality she don't really need the physical security she needs the economic security so she could go back to the job and say if y'all don't treat me right I'll just go find another one somebody shout security those are things that help us sleep at night. So physical security is a part of the journey, but also so is emotional security. Can she tell you her stuff about you? You can tell me most of it. Don't want to hear all of it. Did you hear? Can I, can I, tell, can I tell you what I'm going through Even, and you not internalize it like you're at the center of it? all the time because some of the things that she deals with really don't have anything to do with you you're just one of the symptoms that are dealing with it and she's willing to deal with you she just don't want to deal with it but men we can be so self-centered that we think that we're all of it oh so I'm the reason why you ain't ass, so you gonna put it all on me no I'm not trying to put it all on you but you part of it are you hearing what I'm saying somebody shout security I said security Can I share my stuff? Can I give you my best? Can I give you what's worst about me and not hear it in an argument three weeks later? Can I give it to you and not see it on IG and on Instagram how it affected you? Can I share my deepest stuff? And these are the kinds of relational things. And when we don't have those kinds of relational things, we are in the middle of a storm. Something is off when we're in the middle of the storm. And, of course, the final thing is self-actualization. I hope you're all taking notes. This is self-actualization. Everybody in this room also wants to know that they're a part of something that's bigger than themselves and they need to know where I fit in the program. Where do I fit in the program of big things? Where do I fit in the programs? So I've come to this church and this pastor has told me to walk in my dream and move in my hopes and walk into the great stuff that God told me and that resonates very deeply with me but it doesn't sound very spiritual because he didn't ha-ba-ba and sha-ta-ta and make me shout on top of him telling me to chase my dream. So as the principle in the scripture and I would tell you that it is absolutely in the scripture that when the Bible teaches us about climate It is about walking into the highest level of your purpose in this earth. Jesus tried to tell them that I came here for the express purpose to preach the gospel, I came here so that I could set the captive free. I came here so that those that are in bondage can be released. I came here to express that this is the acceptable year and the acceptable hour. Jesus was a young man, and he stood up and said, above all things, I know who I am. Watch this. He didn't say get saved. He didn't say let me heal you. He said, before I tell you any of that, let me tell you who I am. I know who. I, who I am I know what I'm brought here and you don't have to come and get healed but if you want to be healed you better come to me because I know who I am and the world needs more people that know who they are and not people that are trying to be somebody that knows who they are somebody shall climb it All of these pieces are part of your system, and when any of these pieces in your system are not working properly, then you feel like I'm in the middle of some mess. And the problem with being in the middle of the climate is that climate is not a thing that God will control. Climate is something you have to control. You must control the climate of your world. You must control the climate of your life. Your climate is not God's issue. Your climate is not your spouse's issue. Your climate is you looking at those four areas of your life and saying that I'm in a storm in some capacity. Are my relationships messed up? Am I not self-actualization walking in my highest purpose? Am I not getting my needs met? Am I insecure in some part of my life? And we are that simple that if one of those Four things are off, the whole climate for our lives have been messed up. Now, can I tell you how Jesus handled climate? The Bible says that this guy named Jairus said that his daughter was dead. And Jesus went to Jairus's house and the Bible said that when Jesus got there, everybody was crying. And while they were crying, Jesus came in and said, why is everybody crying? They told Jesus that Jairus' daughter is now dead. Jesus said, she's not dead. She's sleeping. The Bible says that they laughed at him and told him she's dead and he doesn't know what he's talking about. So Jesus took Jairus and his wife into the room and told them to ask everybody else to get out of the room. Why did he do that? Because when he was in the room with her, he, he could not have peace. that were not on the same climate as he was because he was trying to build a climate for miracles he was trying to build a climate for healing he was trying to build a climate for resurrection and he couldn't have people at that space that did not understand that miracles were possible and resurrection was possible watch this and that the man that can do them was in the room I wish I was preaching to somebody in this place is that one of the reasons why your climate is off is because people People don't know who you are in your own room. Oh, God, help me in this place. Tell somebody, you better know who I am. People don't know who you are, so he asked them to leave. Watch this, and here's the crazy part about when they leave. I just got finished spending, uh, 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 my last 24 hours were beautiful with a beautiful five-year-old. and when And I knew she wasn't in the bed because I could hear the feet shuffling. You know, kids never know how parents have that third eye. It's not real deep. I hear, the, I hear your feet shuffling. What are you doing out of the bed? Oh, yeah, I got to the bathroom. I don't hear you in the bathroom, though. How did, you, how did you know I wasn't in the bed? Can't give up all the secrets. But what happens now is that these are people that are going to the room and they say the girl is dead. Jesus tells them, hey, look she's just sleep. she's not dead he said they said she's dead and this is crazy that you're in here talking about her life turning around after what her last five years have been like this is crazy you coming in here saying that she's about to that something miraculous is going to happen after, the, after they, the neighborhood they grew up in this doesn't make any sense after all the ingrained teaching that she's been taught how to hate herself and how to disregard her journey and how she allows men to do it, it makes no sense that you're saying she's going to get healed Jesus said that if you don't believe it you've got to move out of the room because you're messing with my climate watch what happens now they're outside the room they're outside the room and there's a lot more people outside the room than there are in the room and while they're outside the room they're laughing because the masses obviously know what the few don't until after a few seconds of hearing him tell her daughter get up nothing happened daughter get up, nothing happened daughter, get up, nothing happened and everybody outside the room is smiling and giggling saying I knew it, I told her he's making himself be a fool until they heard two sets of feet walking y'all ain't talking back to me I'm going to help somebody in here see, the devil knows when the Lord has done a miracle because whether he admits it or not he can hear the feet suffering God, I wish I had I said, he can, I wish somebody helped me praise the Lord in here. He can feel the heat suffer. And, and this is the way God operates. It's before the feet move, there has to be an expelling to reshape the climate of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ain't nobody mad. That's in this room. Everybody that's mad is on the other side of your mirror. Okay, I'm I'm all right. But the people in this room, oh God, I need to know who's in your room. I need you to know who's making up your climate. When you need something big from God, you got to have people that's got big faith to make up the climate of faith because nothing will turn around if you don't have the power and the faith. Climate it in your life. <laughs> principle number two. Somebody shout number two. Principle number two is the principle of reestablishing boundaries. There is a principle. Re means do again. Somebody shout do again. Re means do again. Anytime you hear re, it means that something is about to be done again. Redo, rebuild, remodel, restate. Re, re means to do it again. It means to say it again. Now here's the principle though. Is that whenever something is being done again it will either be a weaker version of itself or a stronger version of itself. It will never remain the same. If the chair that you broke, right, that's sitting in right now broke, and we decided we're going to weld the leg and back onto the chair, one or two things will happen. It will either be a weaker version of itself or it will be a stronger version of itself. But it will not be the same. The principle of reestablishing boundaries is that whenever God gets ready to bring storms in your life, you have to have boundaries set up around your life. Watch this. That, are, that, that, that will be pliant enough for the storm to tear them down. But God is not going to tear down every gate in your life because everything in your life is not bad. I'm going to say that till you get that. Everything in your life is not bad. 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 I had a bag of oranges the other day, and we had these little cutie oranges the other day in the house. And I went to the refrigerator to get one, and I noticed. I'm like, oh, wow, one of them is starting to have a little bit of mold on it because we, you know, were seeking the Lord for some things, and we stopped eating for a while. And we looked up, and I was like, okay, let me uh, throw the bag of oranges away. And then I started thinking about it. It was like, man, this is all the way down at the bottom. It's like 50 oranges. Let me go through these oranges and see which ones of them have been affected by the one that had. (laughs) See, some of y'all better help me preach. I looked up. And I realized that only three of maybe 30 oranges had been affected and I was able to throw away the three, but I could spare the other 20 because everything in my life is not messed up. Y'all are not talking back to me. Everything. You can't let one moment in a 24-hour day mess up your whole day. You let a 15-minute encounter at the washroom mess up your whole workday. The devil is a lie. You let a little bitty argument mess up your whole 10-year marriage. The devil is a lie. The everything in your life is not bad. And you've got to get rid of what's bad, but you have to secure and protect what's good. The Bible says that if you get rid of the marker, then your strife will cease. It's not the whole batch of oranges. It's just the bad ones that you got to with. With And the only way you deal with bad things is you have to reestablish boundaries. Somebody shout boundaries. When I talk about boundaries, what am I talking about? When I talk about boundaries, I'm talking about your standard for living. What is your standard for living? Your standard is an internal conversation between you and God about the way you're going to do your life. That's what a standard is. A standard is a very personal thing. And I know when we talk about raising a standard and walking under a standard, we generally have this church idea of what a standard looks like. So we come up with all of these rules so we can all carry the same standard. So we all wear dresses and we all wear jackets and we all wear ties and we all don't use four-letter words and we all don't listen to certain kinds of music and we all and we call this a standard. Well, the problem with that standard is that if we really followed all the believers home, I'm just trying to, <laughs> if we really followed all the believers home, they were not keeping the same standard that we were sending y'all to hell for when you got to church on Sundays. All right. Now, which, which, wait a minute now. Now, I'm not sure who that made the phony. Is it the person that was preaching to you made his gospel bad or did it make the audience the phony? Because you was in here in it when he was saying keep it. And then you went home and you violated it and didn't feel like you was going to hell. Y'all ain't talking back to me. For all y'all that was raised not to go to the movies, but y'all went anyway. Y'all ain't sanctified. These sanctified folks in here grew up like that. Don't worry. Y'all couldn't listen to secular music and you couldn't cut your hair and you couldn't come into the church house without a doily on. Y'all, I ain't talking to my Baptist friends, but I'm talking to my, you know, I'm talking to my Pentecostal, Where, where my old school Pentecostal folks at in here. We couldn't listen to secular music. Listen, there were some TV shows they didn't let us go to. We couldn't go to the picture show. The picture show you know what i'm saying and and i don't know whose fault it was but when star wars came out it just seemed like the holy ghost got more lenient in my house i I don't this is the way my house works it's like the holy ghost got more lenient when when stuff came out that we that the saints wanted to see amen stay away from them talk shows till oprah came on I don't know one sanctified person that wasn't watching Motown 25 when Mike came out and did the movie. Y'all ain't talking back to me in here. I, I would, some of y'all are too young to say amen to that. But how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, what? I'm in my house like, for real? I don't have to sneak and watch this? Y'all going to watch it with us? <laughs> See, boundaries. Somebody shout boundaries. It's about the standards. It's about the internal standard that God speaks for you. And you can't impose the standard God is speaking to you on the person that's sitting next to you. Because God's standard for your life might be you can't use these words. But he may not have raised that standard for somebody else in the season that they're in right now. Your standard might have to look like a different kind of dress code than somebody else's standard. You just hold the standard. And if there's a storm in your life that has knocked down a fence in your life, I can guarantee you you've let your standard down somewhere. Am I talking to anybody that's ever let their standard down? Anybody that has ever, ever, ever allowed a breach of the, of the fence to take place because you've been through a tough season or been through a, a bad season or maybe you just mad at the world right now and I'm just tired of keeping the standard because it seems like people that ain't got no standards get further along in this world than people with standards. So I'm done keeping my standard. And when the storm comes, the gate falls because you ain't got no Standards. When the blessing comes, you don't have no standards. When the good man comes, you ain't got no standards. Y'all are not talking back to me. And why am I always getting because she had a standard? Are you following what I'm saying? And what happens with standards, I want to give you some language for standards because standards ultimately have to have a look, which means you can't have a standard in your heart. Your standard has to be expressed in some form or fashion in order for it to actually be a standard. The Bible said that Jesus was the Logos. The word Logos means that he was logical or he is the standard in God's head. So Jesus was God's logical standard in his own head. But then the Bible says, but that word or the standard became flesh, meaning that it came out of his head and it became a living behavior pattern. So Jesus becomes the behavior pattern for the idea of meeting the standard in God's head. So every standard has to have a behavior pattern. So I'm going to give you some. It has to not just have a behavior pattern. It has to have a language. Can I help you with some language? I want you to see what your, what, your, what your, excuse me, what when you reestablish behaviors, you say three things when you're taking control of your life again. You're saying people may not, I have the right to ask for, and to protect myself, I get to. Those are the three things that you get to say. People may not, no, you may not talk to me like that. No, you may not put your hands on me and think that it's okay. No, you may not demean my masculinity and my manhood and expect me to honor you. It doesn't work like that. When When you start rebuilding the fence of your life, sometimes storms come to show you where your fence is weak. And when it knocks the weak fence down, you have to reestablish it, and you and you get to pay. You get to reestablish these boundaries for your life. You also get to say, "I have the right to ask for. I do have the right to ask for you not to cuss when you come in my house." I do have the right to ask for you not to smoke when you come in my house. No we do not smoke in our house. That's between you and God about you and your smoking but as for me in my house we are a smoke free house and no ma'am you do not get to just go in the backyard and light up. Is the backyard equal my house? Then you can't smoke in my backyard but I'm going to go to the side by that gate equal my house? You cannot that car you can jump in your ride and ride up the street and go to the park and you can smoke all you want but as for for me and my house, we have a new boundary. But last season, I was hurt last season. And now God has knocked the fence down and I'm reestablishing my boundary and I get to set the rules. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you reestablish your boundaries, you are recommitting to the standard that you and God worked on. You are recommitting to the standard that you and God worked on. Watch this. I want you to see something about that. I want, I want to give you three things. I want to give you something, rather. Uh, we may not get to three, but I want to give you something that I want you to keep in mind when you are keeping and reconnecting your commitment. Your standard makes a statement that your mouth will never have to make. Your, mouth makes a sta- your standard makes a statement your mouth will never have to make. How many, how many guys used to go to the clubs a lot? You know, go to clubs a lot. Come on, but tell the truth. This is the city of I said, how many of y'all used to go to clubs a lot? We, we know we watched Under the Blood and everything. And as long as Drake don't come, we don't have no existential issues with the club and everything. But, you know, we, <laughs> so, but, but how many, but, you know, how many of you have ever seen people in the nightclub that didn't belong in the nightclub? You know, you just, you, you just, you walk in there, you know, all these people, you know, but then you see this one or two. And you're like, she shouldn't be here. Like, you are in, like, because you're trying to hold a standard in a place that ain't got no standards. And the thing that makes you stand out is that you're holding a behavior pattern that ain't got, like, everybody on the floor dropping like it's high, and you over in the corner, like, doing your little... You're going to hold your little, you know. <laughs> and don't peep that you've been living on that all night long, which means you don't drink neither. So what you in here doing? You know? <laughs> You know, she's just trying to be connected with your community and connected with a group because that's a part of every person's need in this life. But I'm I'm saying that because I want you to understand what happens is that what happens is that for people that really want to be ignorant at the club, if you really that wasn't saying that I was one of them people, that's just saying I'm teaching that if you want to be ignorant at the club, her standard is going to make you not go over there. Her standard is going to make, you're going to look and say, ah, that's not the level I'm trying to reach. I'm not trying to make that standard because she might make me complete a sentence sober. She might ask me, am I going to college? She might actually want me to work consistently. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so what happens is her standard will make a certain level of person say, I'm not even gonna deal with it. Now I want you to understand that the standard of your life makes people make decisions on how they wanna approach you. I wish I had some help in here. Some people approach you a certain way because of the standard that you're not holding or the standard you are holding. And people can bring mess to you because that's the standard you got. Why does everybody wanna bring my, they junk to me because you got the standard of a garbage collector. So they bring garbage to you all the time, and you're not deep, and you're not spiritual, and you're not somebody that, oh, they just want to listen to me. No, you're the gossip column. That's who you are, and that's why they bring it, because that's what your standard says. And then there are other people that when they get ready to come, they be like, ah, better not, because she ain't going to deal with it. If I bring it to her, she's going to be like, have you talked to him? Have you asked? Have you tried to fix it yourself? Have you tried to, to, why are you bringing it to me? Do you want it fixed or do you just want to tell somebody about it so that you can fix your itch of gossip? That's why. But the standard, somebody shout my standard. Your standard can pull people toward you or it can repel people from you. And the people that you want at this next level of your life are people that are willing to rise up to the level of your standard. Of the standard that God, and that may have to be rebuilt. You may have to reestablish boundaries. One more thing I want to say about that is that while you're trying to reestablish boundaries and letting people come up, don't try to fix people in the process of you reestablishing your boundaries. (laughs) Do you know what we do when we fix people? What we're doing when we try to fix people is we're trying to help them get to a place where we feel comfortable staying in relationship with them. That's what we're trying to do. When you're trying to fix people, what you're you're not really trying to fix them, you're saying that I love being with you so much and you supply something so important to my life that that I don't want to lose you by raising my standard too high, so I'm gonna try to help you meet the new standard I I raised for myself. And that's a waste of both y'all's time. That's a waste of both y'all's time. They will decide to raise the standard or you'll have to love them from the other side of the fence. I'm going to make you a better person. No, I'm not. You're going to end up lowering your standard again. I'm going to raise you up and make you the woman and the man I want you to be. No, you're not. You're going to end up lowering your standard again. So set your standard and let people do their own work to fix themselves. That's between you and God how you get fixed. The third principle. Somebody shout. The, no, not yet. I'm about to tell you what to shout. Somebody shout the principle of praise. The principle of praise. Is this helping anybody? All right. The principle of praise. And I'm gonna get you out of here. I feel no principle of praise. The principle of praise is this. Praise is not something that always has to be done with a song. Praise is not something that needs music to be accompanied. Praise doesn't even have to be singing. Praise is simply just speaking well of somebody and talking good about them and acknowledging the best parts of who they are. That's what praise is. Praise is that, That's all praise is. So I don't have to have a song when I praise. When I'm in my car driving, I could just start telling God, God, you're pretty amazing. I could just start telling God, God, you have been wonderful, man, that I wouldn't be in this season of my life if it weren't for you. I got through a deep storm because you had your hand on me. I'm getting through this storm because you've got your hand on me. God, I thank you for it. That's praise. Somebody shout, that's praise. Listen, praise is not singing. Praise is not jumping and dancing and shouting, even though you can do those things while you praise God. But praise is simply telling God that it wasn't me, it was you. And I can acknowledge that this thing wasn't me, this was you. You ever been through something where you can acknowledge it wasn't him? I mean, it wasn't you, it was God. This is all it was. Is just you're saying to God, God, I praise you for this because if it had not been for you on my side, where in the world would I be? God, if it wasn't for your hand on my life, I would be broken and lost and wounded and busted and disgusted. But God, I can praise you and I can acknowledge that it's you and wonderful and marvelous are the works of your hand. Marvelous are the words that come out of your mouth. You will deserve to be praised and I give you the praise that you deserve. All of the things that came to the Psalms were not. Not necessarily songs; they were just expressions of God, of praise toward God. And praise is the secret weapon for believers. I know it doesn't feel like a whole much, but a whole lot. But do you realize that when you praise God, the pressure of life starts to ease off of you? Have you ever done that before? See worship is something totally different but praise is an invitation for God to come into your circumstance and what you need at this level of your storm is you need to have the kind of praise that invites God in but the, see the Bible in the book of Isaiah says this as it relates to praise it says that salvation is your, is your uh, I want to give you the exact scripture he says that salvation rather um, is your wall he said but praise is your gate other. In other words when the Bible is talking about the storms and destruction coming he says that your, the salvation the thing that keeps you safe from stuff that's outside are your is your walls, your boundaries you can protect yourself with boundaries and with these walls he says however what it really is important is that God comes in and the only way that God comes in is through your praise you don't want to build walls that don't have a gate and the Bible says in Ecclesia, excuse me, in in Isaiah chapter 60 that the gate is your praise. Meaning that if anything is going to come in or come out, it's not going to be because of the boundaries you built. It's going to be because of the praise you have given. So when God gets ready to redo your house, you've got to have a gate that opens up and allows him to come in and change the atmosphere of your life. You're going to go through storms. But don't go through a storm without God because he is the one that can speak to the storm and tell the storm. Y'all are not talking back to me. There's a story that the Bible says that the gentlemen were downstairs and and, uh, were on the boat and Jesus was down in the basement asleep. And when Jesus was down in the basement asleep, they began to cry out and they got Jesus and said, we're going to all die. And Jesus just looked up at the wind and the wave and he said, ah, peace be still. And the storm that had come over their life had stopped at the rain. God is the kind of God that whenever he gets ready, he can speak to the storm that's happening in your life. But what has to happen is you've got to open up the gate and let him come in because when he comes in, he comes in with the power to control the rain and control the wind. So you have to lift up your gate. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. He said to them, he said, lift up your head. Oh, ye gates. And be ye lifted up the everlasting door. And with that gate open, the King of glory shall come in. Who is that King of glory? The King, the Lord our God, mighty in battle. The Lord our God, he is the King of glory. Now I need somebody that needs God in their storm to open up your mouth and give God a praise right where you are. I said, raise your voice and give him a praise. I need you to come in. I need you to be a part of this. I need you to help me rebuild. I need you to fix what's been broken. I need you to put me back together again. I need a new strategy. I need to do it better on the other side than I did it on the front side. I need you to blow some folks out, blow some attitudes out, blow some mindsets away. I'll take the storm as long as I don't lose Jesus. Yes. Where are my stormtroopers at in this house? Where are the people that can go through a storm and come out of the storm as strong as you went in? I need you to raise your voice and give God a praise in this house. You can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Real quietly. Yes, you can. Stand up all over the building. I'm finished. I'm finished. Did that help anybody? You are a system of very complex things happening. You are a system of complex things happening. And it's not real difficult. It's really not very difficult. The science of psychology is really built on seven principles. It's not even that difficult. And we just go up and down the line. We just go up and down the line until we find out what's wrong with you. It's not that difficult. There is a deficiency in one of those areas that I told you. And God built us that way. So instead of making life hell for everybody, when you go through a storm, lock your door. Inspect your climate. Start repairing the breaches and reset the standard. Yeah, they're going to talk crazy about you when you reset the standard, but set it anyway. Now who you think you are now? When you was there, and I was the one that nah, and then, and then. But I'm not there, so I don't need to do nah no more. Because God helped me weather the storm. God helped you weather the storm. God helped this house weather the storm. God helped you watch and weather your storms. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you start building your st- Building it up again. And at some point in time, when you're done with the fence, you'll start looking around the gate. And you might see some people that was there. And then you might not. Because that's what storms do. And that doesn't mean that I don't love you, it just means I gotta love you on the other side of the of my standard. And I gotta love you on the other side of this, the new wall of Bill. And I'm not going to build up a wall where I can't praise. It don't work like that, so I put a gate in my life. <laughs> so I can open up the gate and let the king of glory come in whenever he feels like it. In fact, he got the code. He got the key. He, has the, he, he knows where I hide it. He knows, where, he knows where I keep it. So in case I'm having one of them seasons where I don't want to give him his praise, he can just open up and come on in himself. And that's how you weather storms. That's how you weather your storms. That's how you weather your storms. Paul told them, Paul said, look, we're going to live, but this boat ain't going to make it. He said, you're going to live, but the thing that you thought you needed to survive storms, you're going to break, you're gonna have to erase that. Because the people that you swore you needed to have, I'm going to show you, you never needed them the ideas, the money, all that stuff you thought you needed to have in order to make it, in order to have a business, in order to be blessed. guys. going, I'm going to show you, you, never needed none of that. In fact, when I break it up, the thing you're going to survive off of is a piece of that. The Bible said when the boat started to break, Paul told them, he said, grab, a, grab the piece of the boat that's nearest to you. And they had little pieces, little wood pieces. And they just swam themselves over to safety with a little piece. You're going to look at God one day and you're going to look at your life and say, I did all this (laughs) with an associate's degree. You're going to say, I did all of this and I never went to school. I did all of this. God help me. And I've been a parent ten times over and I never had a child come out of my own body how in the world how in the world with man it's impossible but with god you better help me preach all things are possible lift those hands all over this building i want to pray for you i want to pray for you if you're in a storm wave your hand at me just wave it left to right if you're in the middle of a storm i thank god for your honesty i thank god for your honesty i give god praise for your honesty Yes. Father, I praise you because you are the God over the wind and the waves. Father, that there can't be rain unless you call it to rain. In fact, you told Job that you stored lightning in a coordinate in the earth. You told Job that that you knew where the clouds were and how they would be formed and at what time the rains would fall on the ground so that every seed that you wanted to grow would not die. And in the moments when the seed would give up on itself, you sent the rain. And you're that kind of God. You have a tendency to be late and on time all at the same time. So God, I pray for my brothers and for my sisters that are here today. That might be in a small storm. It might be in a great storm. It might be a colossal storm. But God, let them hold on. Because our anchor is not in a boat. Our anchor is in you our anchor is not in the system we created for ourselves it's not in our support group it's not in the people around us God, our anchor is in you in fact, it was the prophet that said some people count on chariots and armsmen but we count on the name of the Lord so God, today you have taken all the power out of all of our systems you've taken the power out of our money you've taken the power out of all of our knowledge and stuff we know and in this storm, God, we need you to supply answers so Holy Spirit, be the leader Holy Spirit, take over and be the wind that blows us. And lead these men and women in this house to places that they can receive revelation of you they've never received before. And give them the hope that they'll make it through this storm. Give them the hope to remember that you are with them. Give them the hope to remember that you have not forgotten about us. And God, we give you the glory and we give you the honor. In the name of Jesus, we give you the praise now. Somebody put your hands together and give God a praise. Now help us worship.